Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This is a Dude Studios production. And hey, I'm the dude. Hey everybody, how you doing? This is Hey Bartender Podcast. I'm your bartender for the evening. You can call me Dude or you can call me Anthony. It all depends on you. Some people are bad with names. We get used to it. Today's guest we have on Hey Bartender Podcast is Tyler Mortensen. You might know him from Instagram, TikTok, Facebook. Uh, his uh, handle is mixed up with TGM. He's a cocktail enthusiast, menu designer, does reviews, editorials, among many other things. This guy was a blast to talk to, has tons of different stories, and actually goes in really deep about the history of Jägermeister. So you want to catch on to that. So let's get this show started. Laura Hope and the Arctones, would you please help me get this started? It'd be easier for me if you did. <laughs> Let me see what I can do. Um, here we go. I'm, uh, I realized a while back that when I do these interviews, I, uh, when I can actually see the person, uh, it's for some reason a lot easier for me to do the interview, so. Of course, yeah, no worries. But, um... Well, uh, anyway, let's get this thing started and uh, officially welcome you. Welcome to Hey Bartender Podcast. Thank you. I appreciate it. Uh, you've been helping me out on my social media accounts, and uh, you've been a big supporter of the show. I had to have you on. Uh, not, oh, well, you. not to mention all your great videos and pictures that you post uh, on all the social medias, and because I've been following you, too. I appreciate that, yeah. But uh, as... We get the show started like I do to uh, every bartender that I have on my show. Uh, I'd like to, you to give our drink special for the episode. Okay. I'm going to go with the my my go-to drink would be a Jaegerita. Jaegerita? Okay. That, yeah, it's a, that, it's a, that's definitely... It's a margarita with Jaegermeister. Really? Instead of tequila? So you're taking out the, yeah, instead of tequila, you're using Jaegermeister. I'm a... Uh, I am probably Jägermeister's biggest fan that they don't even know. <laughs> like, I'm the diamond in the rough for Jägermeister. Yeah. Pretty much anything herbal, like any of the herbal liqueurs, the chartreuse, the uh, Galliano, um, like all of it, mm-hmm. Fernet. But Jäger is my favorite by far. And the reason is, is because, like, when a lot of people think of Jäger, they associate it with passing out in your neighbor's yard naked, right? Uh, like that's what. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Metallica used to talk about it a lot, and they they said it contained something in there that made them want to fight or something. I don't know, but <laughs> right. Um, for me, it's it's underrated. Yeah. Because I I feel like you can do anything with Jaeger that you can do with gin. Because if you think about it, it's got a lot of the same components in it. You've got the ginger, you've got the coriander, you've got um, the anise, you've got it all that gin has. Basically, except it's 
I look at Jägermeister's gin on steroids, mm-hmm. but I don't like gin. Right. And um, like Jägermeister, it's just so it's, and the story, like the fact that Jägermeister came out of a vinegar factory, well, you know? Okay. That's interesting to me. Cause I don't know Jägermeister's history at all. Uh, uh, do you, uh, do you have a summed up version of that or? Basically in 1936, the son, uh, I believe the last name is Case, took over his dad's vinegar company. And that's where Jägermeister actually came from. And I did a video on TikTok not too long ago called the Black Jesus Shot. Mm -hmm. And he was basically trying to find a way to balance out the acidity in the vinegar to actually make it a distilled spirit. Mm -hmm. So this is the story. I don't know, you know, I don't know if that's true, but this is the story. And he stayed up all night trying to mix and make things so easy and trying to make Jägermeister what it is. And he ended up mixing um, Johnny Walker Black Label with Jägermeister. Oh. Uh, apparently too many, a uh, little too many times. And he passed out. And as he was passed out, he had this vision uh, of the Jägermeister and what it became. And then that's basically inevitably where the shot Black Jesus came from. Oh. And, um so yeah, it's only it's only been like Jägermeister goes way back, but Jägermeister as we know it is only since like 1936. Okay, so uh, we got a uh, we got a double drink special out of that because we got a Jägerita. And now when you make the Jägerita, just real quick, you do you take out both the tequila and the triple sec, or do you just uh, or just margarita mix and Jäger? It's uh, ideally yeah yeah you just use the Jägermeister the triple sec. The, um, and I use, uh, lemon lime sour. Okay. So I squeeze, you know, squeeze my own lemon, squeeze my own lime, add a little bit of, um, gum syrup in there Mm -hmm. as opposed to the simple syrup, because I like the richness that comes out of the gum syrup. Okay. And then, uh, and and I'll throw some mango in there too. Uh, that sounds that sounds like pretty refreshing drink, like a summertime. Uh, I mean, uh, some bartenders, uh, well, most bartenders, if you ask any bartender to, uh, you know, anything that has to do with margarita, they always give you that dirty uh, stink eye look and say, on the rocks, right? But (laughs) uh, you prefer it blended? I don't. I don't. I can't drink blended drinks. And I feel like it's because I typically, um, I run hot, like hot-blooded. And I feel like I drink drinks too fast that where I drink the slushy drinks, it gives me a headache instantly. Like a head rush, the uh, brain freeze. Brain freeze, yeah. Gives me instant. And it doesn't matter what I drink that's blended. Instant brain freeze. Wow. Okay. And and no salt. Oh, no salt. Definitely. No salt. Okay. That's and um, you know, it's I even I even make uh it's funny because we'll go out to brunch and um I'll talk to the waitress and what would you like for breakfast or what would you like to drink? Uh, I want a Jaeger Bloody Mary. And you know, you get the the what? I said, Yeah, Jaeger Bloody Mary. How do you do that? Take out the vodka, add Jaeger. Like anything is, you know, I'm just, I'm the biggest proponent of Jägermeister. So uh, what started this uh, whole, well, uh, you know, you're like fanboying over the Jägermeister name here. (laughs) (laughs) I totally am. I love this stuff. It's so crazy. Um, I don't know what started. I think it was because I passed out too many times in my neighbor's yard, uh, drunk (laughs) in my underwear. (laughs) (laughs) I think I was like, you know, I want to hack this Jägermeister. 
yeah. do I how do I not be that guy? Yeah. That's and it just took me down the rabbit hole of mix it with this and add some lime cordial and some Angostura bitters and you know, let's just play with it. Mm. Well, uh, well, the fact that you took the time to actually play with it and see what goes with it and do things that I consider at least, so there are other bartenders that are probably like, it's been done. But the way I've, the way I've known it, uh, you've done a couple other drinks that are a little bit uh, less conventional with Jägermeister. I mean, uh, Jäger, uh, when you said Jägerita, I was uh, immediately like, what? And now you say Jäger Bloody Mary, and I'm like, okay, now that's different, you know? <laughs> mm-hmm. But, yeah, no, totally. And you've done a lot um, of research yeah. on it, so that uh, you know, that's actually really cool. It's what uh, a lot of bartenders don't get to do anymore is uh, experiment. So, mm-hmm. uh, uh, any experiments gone wrong? Like you, uh, something that definitely doesn't go with Jägermeister, or uh, you woke up testing too much Jäger, uh, Jäger and drinks, and <laughs> um, all the time. Like I, I, you know, I, <laughs> I just I throw things at the wall and see what sticks. Yeah. You know, and and sometimes like my bar in the garage here. You know, there's times I'm out here and uh, I'll turn on a movie, and the next thing I know, the movie's over. You know, because I've been trying too many, too much Jägermeister and I'm waking up and I'm like, dang, I'm surprised my wife hasn't came to check on me yet. You know, but it's just, it's, it's such a, a fun and it, you know what I think it goes back to is I remember, and this is, this is going to get into my history, so I won't cover it too much, mm-hmm. but um, I remember my mom had swamp water uh, glasses around the house and swamp water is a green chartreuse based cocktail. Mm-hmm. Green chartreuse, pineapple juice, uh, lime juice, and green chartreuse is 152 herbs or 157, something like that, herbs in it, mm. whereas Jaeger's only the 57. And um, I remember tasting the green chartreuse for the first time, just a little finger dab, maybe when I was like 10, because mm-hmm. uh, and just because I didn't know what it was, and I saw the glasses. You can look up the glasses online. They're pretty cool. They have a little alligator on them, and it says swamp water, and did green chartreuse did a big promotion. Yeah. And it dates back to the ancient monks. And um, now I've got to say this real quick. The Hey Bartender podcast doesn't encourage uh, underage drinking. However, (laughs) we all have to admit we've when we were young, we accidentally took a sip of our dad's beer or, uh, you know, or wine or something like that. But I have to uh, just because of some of the people that have come after me, I have to say we don't encourage underage drinking. Absolutely. Okay, go ahead. (laughs) And I don't either. I don't encourage it either. I just, my mom was the, uh, my mom was the kind of person that was, you know, um, you don't know until you try it or I want you to experience this so that when you get older, you're not going to abuse it. Right. You know, I want you to know what this is going to taste like because there's going to be a day and I want you to feel comfortable when you come home that this is a safe place to, if you want, if you choose to, underage drink or whatever this is a safe place so um and my mom was a bartender my mom was old school bartender sure okay and that, cool and that pretty much gets into the history of where i came from or where i started from but um yeah no green chartreuse is just it's such an amazing um just an amazing spirit all the way around oh and okay so i, I don't know if you've ever messed with it or seen it or no in, in your in your past and uh, in the bars that I worked at, we didn't deal with that very much. I mean, uh, you mentioned Galliano. Yes, all bars have that, the big uh, long bottle that doesn't fit anywhere on any shelf. 
and uh, uh, you know the Jägermeister. But uh, uh, you mentioned Chartreuse. I don't, I don't think I've ever worked in a bar that carried that. But it sounds interesting. You said that they had these special glasses for a promotion at one time. Yeah, they did a promo for it back in sixties, seventies hmm. of Green Chartreuse, and it's funny to to watch to look at the history of it. And you see that they have the old even newspaper or magazine ads for it. Swamp water, green chartreuse. And it's got the alligator and it's got the recipe and the story of the green chartreuse and and all that on it. Well, you've started off a little bit with your history. So that's uh, that's what I want to kind of wanted to get into and get to know you a little bit since I've been following your social medias. When did you... Uh, uh, we got to start at the beginning. When did you start in the service industry in general? I mean, did did you start out as a bartender or did you start as the dishwasher? Where did it all begin? It, I mean, if you want to go deep, deep into the history, um, I it goes back to actually my mom being in the industry. Um, we live. I was born in Des Moines, Iowa, mm-hmm. and we lived in a small town in Iowa of maybe two hundred people. That was one of those towns that you don't really uh, most people don't live in. They just kind of go through, and um, my dad was a typical blue collar worker, worked a ton of hours. I have two, I have two brothers, seven years older and 10 years older than I am. And when I was born, like nobody wants to hang out with the baby brother, except for mom, dad can't. And the brothers don't want to. Um, my mom worked in the saloon and she worked at the cafe next door. So I went to work with her every single day from the time I was about six or eight months old until we left Iowa when I was about eight. And it was every day we wake up, we go to the cafe and then we leave the cafe and we go to the saloon mm-hmm. and I would just be in the saloon. I mean, it's, it's, it's podunk, Iowa, you know, nobody's going to come through, you know, the, the police are going to come through, Hey, give me a soda. And you know, they're not going to say, get that baby out of here or mm-hmm. whatever. That's just, <laughs> yeah. you know, so, um, and so I, that's where I really feel like that's where my roots really, really started. I just remember as growing up, um, remembering some of the stories and some of the things that I saw inside the bar. Mm. And we moved to California when I was eight, seven ish, eight. And, um, my mom and my dad split up and my dad, my mom started seeing this other guy and he had a sister that in 86 took me to see cocktail. Uh, okay. Like yeah. what bartender is not seeing cocktail and yeah. been, I want to be that guy. Yeah. You know, well. <laughs> I want to be the last barman poet, you know? (laughs) Yeah. And I remember seeing that and going, God, that is, that is so much fun. Mm. Like, how is that not fun? You know, you got the girls, you got the beach, you got the barman poet. And, and I just remember, and then, um, she gave me her Mr. Boston's bartender book. I still have it somewhere. It's under, it's underneath. Um, and, I, I just, I would look at the book and I would always think back to Tom Cruise and um, I would start just kind of flipping glasses in the house. And I remember one time at a, at a underage, she told me um, that we were having a little family get together and she wanted me to make grasshoppers. Mm-hmm. And she said, throw them in the blender. She showed me how to do it. She said, throw them in the blender and I want you to be our little server. I mean, Maybe she wasn't the best influence, but she's still my mom. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so I was making grasshoppers for mm. friends and stuff like that. And that was really, and it just, as I got older, it just kept, things would come up. My first job in the movie theater was um, at the concession stand. And 
I remember when the lines would get so backed up and people were getting pissed off because they couldn't get service. This was in Atlanta. I had moved to Atlanta around the age of 14, 15. And, um, and I just remember I would take the cups and the ice and I would like juggle the ice between the cups to entertain the patrons. So they weren't getting pissed off while they're waiting for their popcorn. That's cool. And you know, I would serve the, I would, I would do fun little serve things where with the, with the drink machine where I would spin the cup and hit it upside down. And, um, just little goofy flair stuff yes. that, you know, that I would see in cocktail and I would mix the sodas like everybody does. And hey, you got to try this new flavor or check this out or, and, um, that's pretty much, I mean, that's my, and then I was 20 years old, you know, speeding up the, the story a little bit. I was about 20 years old and, um, I was reading my mom's Mr. Bartender book and I started playing with, with, um, liquors and spirits and stuff she would buy me if i asked her and um i remember we would infuse he would talk about in mr bartenders he would talk about um infused vodkas apple infused vodka to make apple vodka because in the 60s and 70s there wasn't apple absolute there wasn't apple smirnoff right you had to make it yeah and um so I remember I would, I, it would infuse them. I got a job as a bar back at a restaurant that I'm still now 20 years later, not even sure if it was a legit like restaurant. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you, what you think and it was a speakeasy or something or. I don't know. No, I think there was some shady business going on because it was just, everything was under the table and you oh. know, cashier and it's okay that you're 20. You can still serve drinks. You know, there was a lot of, I don't, it's neither here nor there. It's water under the bridge, but it's just one of those funny things that sit in the back of my head. going, <laughs> hmm, Yeah. That's something else that makes me think that maybe that wasn't, you know, um, <laughs> and I was bar backing for this really arrogant, cocky bartender and a guy, it, it was, it was what most people would stereotype as the arrogant bartender. Mm-hmm. You know, there's always that one guy that everybody's like, yep, he's, he's a bartender or whatever. Yeah. And, um, I remember he went on break and somebody came in during a lunch shift and they ordered an apple martini and I had the, the infused alcohols in the bar. Cause there was a nice dark area to keep them in. And I made an apple martini with the infused apple vodka mm-hmm. because I didn't know any better. I didn't know of apple pucker. I wasn't, you know, familiar with how to make an apple martini other than what I read in Mr. Bartender's book. Right. Yeah. And I made this guy an apple martini with the apple infused vodka and he was just over the top about it. He loved it. And he would come in on lunch and order it. And the other bartender was like, he can't even serve you that drink because he's underage. I don't know why you're asking for it. And he'd be all pissed off and bent because I'm making this guy these drinks that he likes. So um, the bartender ended up uh, involuntarily moving on. And at the point I had turned 21. So the owner just put me behind the bar. He's like, you've already know people, you know, um, what you're doing, you have proven yourself over and over again. And he put me behind the bar. And the thing is, is, um, it was never about money for me as a bartender. Um, it was more about just having fun because that's what I saw growing up in the saloon. Mm -hmm. People came to the bar to have fun. They came to the bar to just BS with their buddies. They came to the bar just to get away from life. Right. And if I can get you away from life just for 10 minutes, that is the big enough, that is, was a big enough tip for me that I could have. 
That's and cool. I've always felt that, you know, money works itself out in the bar industry. Right. The eventually. Or it, it does. It will eventually work its way around. And and I've always been a big proponent of that. Now, your mother being working in the service industry when you were uh, uh, still in a baby carriage, basically, uh, and you, you watching her, you spending time with her at uh, the diner and then the, the saloon, did you uh, – during – you're, during all that time, did you uh, learn a lot about customer service? Uh, Absolutely. Uh, any because customer service, any uh, any bartender will tell you that's it's kind of something that you have to learn. It's not something that you can teach or anything like that. You have to know your uh, know your customers. You have to. It's there's nothing ever very specific with one person, but. Uh, did you take away anything from uh, your mother about when it comes to customer service working behind the bar? Yeah, it, it's, I always, it, it was always about patience and it was always about the customer first. It was never, it was never the customer's always right. It was the customer's always first. It was, let's get to yes. You know, mm. we, there's a medium, happy medium between the customer. It's not, you know, you're not a bad customer. You're just not where you need to be right now. Mm. You know, you need to be happy. And if you're not happy, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, um, I'm not going to up your anger by being rude back to you. I want to, I want to figure out how you and I can get to yes, the quickest way. Mm. And doesn't mean you're right. You know, yeah, there's a fly in your soup. Let's switch it out. But, um, you know, you get, she would, I remember she would, she would tell me as I was growing up, she would tell me stories about some of the customers that would argue with her over her, their food. Right. And I just remember her saying, you know what? Um, okay. You know what? Maybe, maybe I misunderstood. Maybe I misheard you. Um, but I'm pretty sure this is what you ordered, but let's fix it. Mm. And that was how she handled everything. And I, to this day, when I'm teaching bartenders and training bartenders, I, I tell them all the time, Look, I can teach you how to pour a drink. I can teach you how to measure a shot. I can teach you a hundred different drinks, but I'm not going to be able to teach you customer service. And I'm not going to be able to teach you to have a personality. Mm. And those are the two things you need to be a bartender. You need to have customer service and you need to have a personality. Right. Which uh, having a personality, truth being told uh, to all my listeners and you, uh, when I first started being a bartender, I came out of bartending school and I was always uh, introverted. Uh, to begin with, but bartending was kind of my way to uh, try to become, you know, more social and get to know people and stuff like that. And uh, for the first, oh, almost year I bartended, uh, a lot of customers were a little standoffish about me. Was, He's quiet. What's ro- what's wrong with him? And uh, I mean, I tried my best, you know, uh, I tried to pull, uh, you know, listen to comedy albums on my way to work because, you know, so I could have a joke or two, you know, I'd be telling Bill Cosby jokes or Bill Ingvall, uh, any of the blue collar guys. Uh, George Carlin was always a hit whenever I told his jokes. But uh, it being uh, being behind the bar and trying to learn customer service was actually a really great way to learn to be social and be a little bit. I'm still introverted, which is you know, uh, but I'm not as bad as I was when I first started bartending. And doing this podcast also helps quite a bit because normally I wouldn't be able to talk to people like you or anybody else I've had on my show. But you act like that you have uh, a good personality for Behind the Bar, and it shows through your videos that you uh, post 
online all the time. But um, so back to uh, back to when you first got uh, behind the bar, uh, where uh, you said you weren't sure about the b- first bar that you worked at. You weren't sure it was a real restaurant. It, it was a restaurant. It was a bar restaurant. Mm-hmm. And like I said, I just I feel like there was a lot of um, under the table, like you know, handshake type of stuff going on. And and what happened is eventually one day we just came in and the place it was empty. Really? Like there was no warning. The cook, the cooks, the waitresses, we were all standing outside waiting for the doors to open and they never opened. Huh? And it, it was just an overnight like, the night before. It was a great, great Friday night. And it was just done. The Jimmy, the fish just came in and, you know, <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe, I don't know. So where, um, where did you, know, you go after that then? I went to a, uh, a I went to a cowboy bar. In Atlanta, I started working at a um, at a cowboy bar, and um, that was a that was a blast. That was just because that was right around. I want to say that was right around AOL just getting big. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, so you know, around ninety five, somewhere. Yeah, something like that. I mean, um, it was it was a couple years after that. Cause I was still, um, probably maybe <clears throat> I'm going to go 2000. Okay. So it was still like internet was still new and, and maybe I was just new to the internet at that time. I don't know, but I remember I would go into chat rooms and I didn't, I'd go in and you know, the ASL, whatever, and I'm working tonight, come see me. And that like the girls w- would love it and they were all over it. And, but the, the cowboy bar was just a whole different, uh, and I learned at that place that I'm not a high speed bartender. Yeah, really? I, want, I I learned really quick. Like I learned so quick that like I didn't even have to wait two weeks and they didn't even have to fire me. Like I quit because I couldn't I'm I'm not that guy. Mm. And because I want to sit and I want to BS with you. I want to know your story. So this cowboy know, cowboy bar was more of a club t- type of situation. Yeah, it was a it was a yeah, it was definitely like a, a high high speed, you know, bands on the weekends and people are coming in there and just wanting to let loose. Mm. And it was very much a nightclub, a bar, a cowboy nightclub. Mm. And um, I'm just, I tell everybody that like, like my big thing is every cocktail has a story and it's whether it's the history of the cocktail or whether it's your story with the cocktail. And that's what I want to know when I'm, when I'm tending bar and, if I want to get to know the person, I want to get to know what that cocktail means to that person. And so I realized, I said, maybe I need to go try a hotel bar. Mm-hmm. So I started working in a hotel bar and loved it. Um, one of the, one of the best bartenders I ever met was in a, was in a hotel bar. He was, um, he was an older dude, older guy. And I speak about him a lot in my videos. Cause I just, he was such he was such the hotel bartender stereotype, real cool, real smooth. He it, somebody asked me if, if, if you could get anybody to play him in a movie, who would it be? And my first thing that came to my head was Matthew McConaughey. Cause Matthew <laughs> McConaughey is that smooth. Like he's got the witty jokes. He's, yeah. you know, he's compassionate. He's like, he's everything. And, um, now I'm starting to sound like, like, like my wife when I say that anyway. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so that's, that was George and George was, 
like 60 years old, 65 years old. And he'd been in the hotel bar probably his whole life. And him and I just had so much fun because of the stories that he would tell of the people. And he knew how to pull information out of people. He knew like, what's your, he wanted to know what's your story and he would get your story out of you no matter what. Mm. And, um, he, he really knew how to use the power of suggestion to get the stories out of people. And I, I love telling the stories about George and everything that I learned from him just because him and I had so many good times together. I mean, from us kicking the guy out of the hotel bar and um, putting him in the chairs in front of the front desk and the guy looking up at us and saying, man, thanks for bringing me to the bathroom. I really had to take a leak. And <laughs> oh, I'm God. like, I'm like, dude, you're in the front lobby. And the guy's all, oh, I mean, I just pissed my pants. Because <laughs> <laughs> we couldn't close the bar until everybody was out. Right. And so I told the lady at the front desk, I'm like, find his room. I don't know where he is. We're done. And I went back in and we shut off the light. And George and I talked about that for days. I mean, we... <laughs> we ran into so many people in that and it was just a blast. And, um, George was an older guy and his wife had passed and he had his friend that he'd been friends with forever and his wife passed and they moved in together. They were just two like, uh, uh, Walter Matthau and Jack lemon. Like that was these guys. Yeah. And I just remember, um, George not coming in one day for about three days. And finally he came in on the fourth day. I went by his house and I knocked on the door and I thought maybe this guy, it was this time guy's time to go. Yeah. And um, finally he came in and I guess his roommate had passed away. And just the way he told the story, you know, man, I went to bed last night and he was in the recliner and I woke up and he was in the same place and he was a damn ice cube, you know, tell <laughs> <Just listening laughs> that story about so it was just, it was, he was just a good dude. And I learned so much from him as far as customer service and what it means to really truly experience the bar as a bartender and pull that experience in from the guest. Mm. Uh, that's, uh, that's great knowledge to have. I, that's something I could never do. I'm, I'm working, uh, working in a cowboy bar like you did. Uh, I, since I was a little bit introverted and I could, uh, I could pour drinks pretty fast. I would pro- probably do okay. Most of the time I wasn't really talking that all that much to the people but uh but like you said once you find uh a niche where and uh the atmosphere that you can actually work in like when i started working at the last the very last bar i worked worked at for like four or five years uh the it was it's was kind of a sports bar it gave the atmosphere of a sports bar because my the bar owner was a huge 49ers fan but uh i had a lot of people in there that loved to talk about rock and roll and i was like oh my people finally (laughs) and that then it became you know other people would ask about me around town say oh that bartender works over there he doesn't talk much (laughs) they say ask him about the beatles he know he won't shut up and then then that that became kind of uh kind of the interesting thing about me finally (laughs) Hey, people, it's time to take a short break to tell you about www.heybartenderpodcast.com. It is the website where I post all the new and old uh, Hey Bartender Podcast shows. You can go catch up on uh, previous episodes or uh, check out the new episodes that come up every Saturdays and sometimes Wednesdays. 
There is also a Hey Bartender pod- podcast store where you can buy Hey Bartender podcast swag. Go check it out today. In fact, I just added a new t-shirt in there that I've stolen the hashtag because I'm so tired of all of these customers always treating people in the service industry saying, why don't you get a real job? You know what? I made a t-shirt that says hashtag this is a real job. So go check that out at www.heybartenderpodcast.com. Now let's get back to Tyler. When you found yourself in the hotel bar, then uh, that was a much more mellow atmosphere that you actually really enjoyed, it seems Mm -hmm. like. Mm -hmm. It really was. And then I ended up moving to California, and I I had to – we moved to – we basically drove cross-country from Atlanta to California about two weeks after um, Mm 9-11. And it was was already planned. It wasn't because of 9-11 that we left. It was already planned. And nothing, there was nothing available out here because, you know, the jobs market was crazy and I couldn't get into hotel bars out here. So I ended up going back to the nightclub scene. Mm-hmm. And again, I, I hated it. I just didn't like it. I mean, talk about um, bartenders with something to prove, Yeah, you know, you know, first now you're in one of the fastest states in the, in the country working in one of the fastest industries in the country and people just, that's all they care about is themselves. Mm. And I, I got into fights with, with one, with not fist fights. I would, you know, I threw a couple buckets of ice on him, but it was never a fist fight. And I, I ended up leaving that bar too. I just couldn't do it. And I ended up at a, uh, ended up at a theme bar, like a restaurant theme bar what where was- they would come in and, you would do, you would be behind the bar and they would put on, they would do a show. Oh, like a, okay. Like it, it's, it's, a, it was a, it was a, this one wasn't a chain, but the next one I ended up at was a chain. Yeah. And, um, you know, like again, it was in the cowboy scene. Did you have to get out from behind the bar and dance for the customers, that sort of thing? Or no, I didn't, but they had a stage behind us where these guys would come up every every night and they would sing like Waylon Jennings songs and oh okay. uh, just old songs and then when that show was over it was time for the big show to start and then they would go into another room and then that's where they would get served their dinner and their drinks and so then initially it ended up being a service bar so for the first 2 hours it was a regular bar and then it became a service bar mm. and that job I, at that time, I ended up picking up an actual corporate job, like a, a full-time corporate job because it wasn't enough hours. Mm-hmm. Well, to back up a little bit, I actually came out to California and wanted to buy a house, and I had the cash to buy the house because of an Atlanta bartending. I had the cash to put down, mm-hmm. not to actually buy it, but to put down. And I remember walking into the bank, and the guy's like, you're a bartender. You don't make enough money. And I, I'm like, dude, I make more money in one night than you make in a day. Yeah. Like, how do I not? And he's like, no, you don't have steady income. So I ended up getting a corporate job and it was only supposed to be for six months, right? The famous, I'm just going to work here for six months <laughs> to get. And um, so I was working both jobs and at the corporate job, they would send me to trainings for like customer service and marketing and branding and everything else that I'm like, dang, I could do this for myself and for the bars that I work in. Mm-hmm. And so I just stayed with it for the free training and, and the benefits and everything else. And um, 
the theme restaurant closed down. So I moved to the next one that was right down the street. The, the one that's a, the, the chain and, um, the one that's referenced in the cable guy. And so I was a bartender there and I got put into a position of assistant manager, uh-huh. assistant bar manager. And so now I was able to take what I'm learning as, in the customer service and the corporate job and incorporating it into, you know, and now you're dealing with all these different personalities. You know, we want to introduce tip pooling to a group of people that have not been tip pooling for the last 10 years that they've been working there. Right. And now here comes this new bar manager, new assistant bar manager. They're like, yeah, we're going to put all of our tips in a bucket. And at the end of the night, you're going to get paid based on how many hours you worked. Yeah. Your tip. Yeah. That was a tough, that was a, that was tough. And, um, I stayed there and then just had another opportunity arise at a, uh, at a sports bar. And it was a dive bar. And a lot of the stuff, I, I studied and then I was studying drinks. And so a lot of the drinks that I make are really dive barish drinks, mm-hmm. to be honest with you. Sure. And, and it's because it's fun. I don't, I don't, I don't like to garnish. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't like to do it. I just, I don't, I think it's time consuming and I think it's a pain in the ass. Like I'm not going to cut out a pineapple leaf to put in my Mai Tai and then put a little tulip on it. Like I'm not that guy. I'm very, I agree and with then, you totally. <laughs> <laughs> and in fact, a lot of the, a lot of the brands that I work with, I tell them like you, you're not going to get the garnish out of me. Mm-hmm. I'm going to take your classy looking spirit and I'm going to make, it's going to, it's the drinks are going to be good, but it's going to be sloppy. You have to figure out how to garnish it. Mm-hmm. And so I moved, went to the sports bar and I'm not a sports guy at all. Mm-hmm. Right. I, I here. Know. Yeah. <laughs> My, my wife is a huge Angels fan, yeah. and I have Angels hats just because we go to Angels games. Mm-hmm. And I would have to – I would pick up day shifts every now and then, and I would literally – because I knew the clientele that would come in. You're going to get business guys, and you're going to get sports guys that come in during the day. That's pretty much it. And they're going to drink their Bud Lights. They're going to leave you their 50 cents on the table, and then they're going to go back to work. But how do you – how if you don't know anything about sports, how do you – how do you maneuver around that? So I would wake up and every morning I would stop and grab the newspaper that I work and I would read the business section and I would read the sports section mm. and I would pick out the headlines and I'd get there. Oh man, can you believe Ricky Henderson last night trying to steal second base and he got caught? And as soon as you say that somebody picks up on it and they run with it. And now you can just start to create a conversation because mm-hmm. they're not going to stick with Ricky Henderson missing the steal. They're going to talk about, you know, Conseco and they're going to talk about everybody else. And now you can start just, Oh yeah, man, I can't believe that. Oh, that was horrible. You know, and just so generalized conversation. And that's how I would get through my day shifts. Yeah. that uh, that you did like five better than I ever did because uh, I was always wearing a New York Yankees cap wherever I went. And people would always say, Hey, big Yankees fan. Huh? And I'm like, no, truthfully, I wear it because I'm a big Billy Joel fan. And he, cause he had a video that where he played Yankee stadium years and years ago. But, uh, you know, when it came to people talking about sports, I knew basics of history in order to get a conversation started and hope that they accident another person next to them would hear something about it and they could talk to each other. And so I could get out of it. Cause like there was this one guy that came in, he wore New York's New York Mets hat. And one thing that I've always known 
uh, when you wear a New York Yankees hat, it doesn't necessarily mean you're a Yankees fan because Yankee hats are trendy. Uh, but when somebody's wearing a Mets uh, Mets hat, guaranteed to the bone, they are a Mets fan. And uh, of course, uh, there are you know other stories like uh, you remember that World Series where the Cubs were in uh, the Cubs were in the playoffs, and that guy in the stands reached reached out and oh, caught yeah, that fly yeah. ball. Oh yeah, they talked about that for a long time at the bar. <laughs> And I've, I've brought that up in conversations with people that I've had on the show from uh, Chicago and, uh, you know, say, Hey, what'd you think about that? And they're, <laughs> you know, they hold their head or something you know, like that. Right. <laughs> but, um, That's awesome. But the, uh, hats off to you for uh, going the extra mile just to at least have something ready because uh, I pretty much just stuck to my guns. I'm like, look, <laughs> I don't know anything about sports, <laughs> but uh, once in a while I would just, I've, kind of fake it and do the that really underhanded thing where the let the guy just go off and just nod my head a lot <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah exactly exactly but um and so the owner of that bar he ended up opening another bar mm-hmm. and it was a few miles from it and i ended up opening that bar mm-hmm. he sent me in as the manager to open the bar and to get the staff going and I was still working the corporate job and while I was working the corporate job, I was, I got to thinking about, well, no, somebody hired me to do a private event. So I thought, okay, let's do it. So I did the private event and then I started doing my own private event bartending company as well as because, um, as well as, and there wasn't much information on it mm-hmm. about the private event company in 2005 ish, six ish. And so, and there was a handful of us in California, in the Southern California area that did do private events. And, you know, we pretty much, we pretty much kept in contact with each other. I wrote a, I wrote an ebook about how to start your own private event bartending. You know, I made, I didn't make any money off of it because the people who published it took it all, mm. but, um, and it wasn't much, but I, it was how to start it and how to run it. And You mentioned private event bartending. Did I recognize a uh, label on a bottle that you had sitting there? Chavo? Chavo. Yeah. I had him on, on the show a while back. Yeah. 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 Chavo, um, Chavo's a good dude. He, he actually, um, he sent me these bottles to try out. Um, I met Chavo in a, in a Facebook group, uh, a while ago mm-hmm. and he is honestly one of the nicest, um, guys, very authentic. Yeah. Like, yeah, I is, agree. He is what you, what you see is what you get with him. And, um, I told him, I said, I'm going to, I'm going to have it on the, I'm going to bring the mix out and I'm going to have it on the show and see if Anthony recognized me. (laughs) (laughs) I did. So yeah. And Chavo is, he's a good dude. And, um, in fact, I can't, I met him because I remember he asked a question on social media one time about something being too sweet, how to make it not so sweet or something. And I said, make an oleo sacrum. And he said, what is that? Yeah, what and is- so I told him about it, and then he posted it. So oleosaccharum is basically um, sugar oil. So basically what you're doing is you're going to take it. This is how this, it, this process dates back, way back. This is how they used to sweeten all their punches. They would take the citrus peels, and they'd put them in a bucket, basically in a big vat with sugar, and then they would let it sit for a couple of days, and that sugar would extract all the oils from the citrus peels. Mm-hmm. And then that's where you get your oleosaccharum, your sugar, sugar oil. Okay. And it's, it's, 
it's packed full of citrus, but it's not super sweet. The sugar. Mm. So, and I just remember talking, posting that and talking to him about it. And that was pretty much how him and I got to talking. Yeah. And just a really good dude. Yeah. I, I had a, uh, I had a great time talking with him and, uh, talking about him coming up with his own mixes and stuff like that, that yeah. uh, he was, and when the, when I first started the zoom call, I saw, I know that label. <laughs> and, uh, it's funny. It didn't take me long, but when you started talking about, cause he's an event bartender and you have it on mm-hmm. your social media account that you're also an event bartender right now or uh, well, can be, I am. And I'm not like, I, I got into it and then it came, it, it, I feel like now, it's gotten back to how it was when I got in it. So when I got in it, there wasn't a lot of people Mm. and the people outside of our circle of event bartenders were shady. Mm. Like there would be people, you know, Hey, you're, you know, I need a bartender, but you're not going to steal my booze. Are you? Because the last guy that did it did, Mm. or you're not going to overcharge me and promise all this stuff and then not deliver. Right. Cause this is, that was a lot of stuff we were getting is, you know, people just being shady about it because it was easy money. Yeah. I mean, you go in for 450, you don't have to bring anything except your bar tools. You charge somebody 450, you know, for a night of bartending and they're going to walk out with your booze and all that other stuff. And I'm, I, I'm not that guy. Mm. I, I, my integrity means too much. I'm not that guy. And I'm starting to see a lot of it come back to the money. And I don't like that. I'm not, uh, I hate to beat a dead horse. And, and I know a lot of, probably a lot of listeners and be like, this guy doesn't like money. Like what's his problem. <laughs> but I'm just, and I see a lot of it honestly came to light in, in March of 2020 when COVID hit. Yeah. I'm seeing people that are like, Oh, I got all these events booked for 2020, but you know, they already paid their deposit, but they're not getting their deposit back because you know, and I'm like, dude, you're going to, you're really going to lose a customer. Yeah. A, a five year, 10 year, 15 year, whatever customer. Cause you're going to get more than one event out of them if you're good because you don't want to return a hundred dollar deposit because yeah. of COVID something that they can't control. And I'm, I was starting to see that a lot. Yeah. I, I, I don't like that. Mm-hmm. I, it's just not, that's not who I am. And, and so I kind of, um, you know, I started, I started backing out of the private events even a little bit before that, but this was really what did it for me. Like, I don't want to be around people that are going to, that could eventually tarnish my name without me even knowing them Mm. because now I'm going to be grouped into this category of somebody who's not going to get their deposit back or somebody who's going to show up and, you know, still, and I'm not saying all private event bartenders. So any of the listeners, please do not get that twisted. I'm not (laughs) saying all private event bartenders are like that because I don't need that to come back on you and me. Right. (laughs) But it's there, there's that, there's that handful of people, you know, there's that 1% of people that do that. And I didn't want to be, I didn't want to be grouped in that. So I started working more on the consulting side. Mm-hmm. And in fact, a lot of it, I was gravitating out of private event bartending even before I was working a corporate job and I started um, focusing on private events and private event management. So I would go in and I would have um, event planners would hire me to manage the catering bar staff. Mm-hmm because the caterers weren't managing their, some of the caterers wouldn't manage their bar staff. So they would send out, they would hire me to make sure that the caterers, because a lot of the venues, they have their vendor list. So you have to use that set of, you have to use those vendors. Mm-hmm. 
So they would hire me basically to manage their bar, the caterers bar staff for them. Okay. And I was like, this is, this is a good gig. And, um, so I, and then I would start, then I started, um, consulting and meeting with bar owners about their bars. Like, how do we bring brand awareness to your bar? How do we bring more customers in the door? How do we not so much of a, uh, a consulting, like you're doing a horrible job running your bar, but more of a, let's get this together. Let's do some branding. Let's do some marketing. Let's do, you know, what do we have to do? Let's roll a red carpet out on a Friday night and hire a hundred people just to stand in line to make the place look busy. Oh, you know, that's the stuff okay. that, yeah. That's the stuff that we were doing to bring the business companies in, the business into the company. And I started leaning more. That's kind of the area I was going in. Less liability, you know, because I'm not now I'm not out at somebody's private private residence or private venue serving drinks for somebody to overdrink and then go run off the road or hit somebody or whatever. So it was less liability for me mm. to do that. And in the midst of all that, I was hearing um, people talk about, you know, branding yourself and branding you and being you be the brand and this that and the other so i said let me brand my let me brand me let me brand my initials so that's where so i started so tgm bartending came up out of that which was the private event side the management side and then we were getting invited to i and i say we because my former business partner and myself and then we go to these parties and these events and people are like oh you guys are bartenders so why are you here you're just here to get free booze like, no, dude, I'm here to learn. I'm here to have fun. I'm here. The same reason you're here, just because I'm not a sales rep or whatever, doesn't mean I'm not into it. Mm. So we ended up creating uh, another, another TGM media where we were a media company ah. and we want to come in and we want to promote brands. And we're going to talk about the, the industry and we're going to be this and we're going to be that. And, and it's weird because when you put, now when you add media to it, it gave us a whole different, like, it feels like almost people did dislike this on a higher level than they did when we were TGM bartending. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sometimes getting and, disliked can be know. fun, but uh, yeah, go, please go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so while we were trying to figure it out, we ended up coming up with, okay, people in the bar industry, they're not taking you serious because you don't have, you don't have anything to say that you're a bartender. Mm. it's just you saying it so we need to create a channel where you can make drinks and you can talk about the drinks and you can talk about the history and then let's revisit tgm media later but let's focus on this new brand t uh mixed up with tgm right so we started the mixed up with tgm youtube channel horrible production like mm. if you scroll back some of our oldest videos are literally shot in the office of my corporate job with a green screen behind us or a black sheet <laughs> with my portable bar set up. Yeah. Real awkward, you know, because I was afraid that my boss was going to come in and we were going to get in trouble because we're, you know, drinking at the, the corporate job or whatever. So, and then, so mixed up with TGM and it's funny because it stuck mm. and I don't know why, I don't know why out of everything else mixed up with TGM just stuck with everybody. And, um, so I ran with it and I'm not, and so every year and we get invited to my, I get invited to industry events and I'm mixed up with TGM. What do you do? I am an industry influencer and blogger. And if you want, I'll come in and consult with your bar. I'll tell you that your Saturday night bartender is over pouring the beer and you're losing a dollar 50 on every beer if you want me to. But right now I'm going to help you get customers to walk in your door. I'm going to get your business 
recognized on social media. And I'm going to do everything I can to make sure that you're successful. And, and so, you know, that's, that's what we do every year. We go out and we meet with, um, well, I say every year because we go to Vegas every year for the nightclub bar show, Sure. my wife and myself. And then we just go and meet people in the industry, smaller brands. And, you know, we have fun, we meet people and just have a good time. And, um, I pretty much, I got on TikTok last year, right around COVID, like everybody else did. Just yeah. To, yeah, everybody got on TikTok last year. <laughs> <laughs> just, just to consume. My YouTube channel wasn't doing anything. It, my YouTube channel was doing awful. Mm. And I don't, and it's, I'm like, it's because I'm not, I'm not a video guy, maybe. And then I got on TikTok and I just started, just would create here and there. Right. You know, a video here and there and just. And then I'm trying to figure out what works and what doesn't. And finally I, I just would, and then I just started going back to what I know, which is telling the stories of the cocktails that I know. Mm-hmm. Like how did I come across the Darth, the Darth Jaeger shot? How did I come across the Irish coffee car bomb? How did I come across and what's the story? What does it mean to me? Mm-hmm. And people embraced it. And um, I'm not saying I blew up on TikTok, but you know, I, 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 I like people, and I think the reason I didn't is because it's was oversaturated. The people that did blow up have been on since you know it yeah. was what it was before, and and plus you it, got just, personalities like call me Chris with the tiny hands, and yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <You're right. laughs> and so I just started creating, and I and I have fun, and like I said, people are recognizing me as mixed up with TGM now, which is cool, you know, for the most part. It's like, hey, like I had, uh, we have a friend, my daughter goes to dance class with their daughter. And he's uh, he um, he's like, hey, I was at work the other day. And these guys are like, hey, check out this guy making this drink on here. And he's all, hey, I recognize that voice. Is he like some white dude with a goatee and a backwards hat? And they're like, <laughs> yeah. He's like, man, I know that guy, you know. <laughs> um, it, it's cool. And then when I was in um, TikTok, I started, um I started watching these other bartenders on TikTok mm-hmm. and not to be like them, but I was like, Hey, they're, they're cool. Check them out. And I was watching them. And then I got invited into this group, the bar talk group. And everybody that was in this bar talk group is everybody that I was, wa- that I was watching. Mm-hmm. So it was cool to finally be in this WhatsApp chat with all these bartenders that I've been watching and consuming content from. It was almost like the kid from 21, you know, he goes into school and like, he's the smart dude. And then all of a sudden he ends up in Vegas counting cards with all yeah. the people in his class. Yeah. You know? yeah I remember <laughs> that. I felt like, like, dude, this is a secret society. This is cool. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> it's just such a big family, you know? Mm-hmm. And again, it's the, the stories that brings everybody together. Right. And that's, that's, that's what this is all about for me. And just in enjoying telling stories, enjoying making the drinks, enjoying experimenting. Um, and that, that's, I mean, that's, it's really, it's a, and when people say that like bartending is their passion, you know, you really don't really know what it is until it is your passion. Mm. You know, people always tell me like, this is your passion. This is what you love doing. This is right. And I'm like, I don't know. And now it's like, yes, it is. Yeah, that's cool. I, I I can't do anything other than think about the stories of the drinks that I've encountered and how to make re- recreate those drinks and how to make those moments like magical again. Mm-hmm. 
And I think that's how you know something is your what you're passionate about is when you like just can't stop not doing it. Right. It's kind of the reason why I started this podcast at the same time is because uh, I remember late at night, my me, my servers, or other bartenders from around town, we'd all gather at Denny's late at night, and we'd all share, or somebody's garage, we'd all share stories back and forth, you know, what happened that night, what's happened to us before, and that's kind of what the premise of this this show that I, uh, that I developed is because I wanted to, you know, bring on people like you to come in, talk about our bar stories, talk about uh, our passions, why we love being behind the bar and all that, and... Uh, you know, to bring people on like you to uh, is a lot of fun uh, because you've got a new take, you got new stories. I mean, this year I made a vow. Uh, you've you've heard a few of my shows, uh, mm-hmm, absolutely. And uh, this year I made a vow that I wanted to bring on more guests than just me telling stories. Because actually, at one point I I sat back to myself, did I already tell that story? You know, <laughs> but. Uh, to uh, bring people on, uh, on like you, uh, is, uh, actually turning, being a lot, it's, it's actually a lot of fun for me just because COVID, I don't, I don't get out much. I don't drink. I'm a, I used to, used to be a bartender and I don't drink, be, not because I think it's bad for you or anything like that. It's just because I'm bad at it. And, uh, <laughs> so it, it, it was a choice. It wasn't like waking up one morning going, I got to turn my life around. No, it was just me saying, I suck at this. I'm not going to do it, <laughs> but Makes sense. it's just really cool that, uh, to hear your background is, especially since I've been watching your social media feeds and seeing you, your refrigerator, uh, uh, <laughs> fridge chronicles. Yeah. Fridge chronicles. Those, uh, I th- always think are hilarious. You know, so you say serious things, but the fact that, the fridge chronicle starts with the refrigerator door opening, then your head pops in. Yeah, I think that's great. <laughs> yeah, it, this that's what this podcast is about. I'm not really all concentrating on the drinks. I think there were some companies out there that were hoping that I would talk about more drink making, uh, the and all that stuff. But no, this is about the workers. This is about the people in the service industry, the people that have to hear that phrase. Why don't you get yourself a real job? And, right. <laughs> and yeah, you know, that's, that was, that's the whole purpose. And you have turned, uh, what people don't concern, uh, consider a real job into a passion, into it more than just a hobby. And I really respect that. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, is that a bunch of pennies on your bar? Is it? Yeah, this is a penny bar. Okay. This is, um, so when I was working at my previous company, it was a storage company, uh-huh. self-storage company. And somebody came in and they just unloaded a bunch of old wood and just dumped it in a storage unit. Mm. Because for 1995, that's what you can do. Like it's cheaper than going to the dump. And, and we would send out a free truck to pick it up. So it's a win-win. Anyway, they dumped the stuff and I didn't want to, I wanted to throw it away, but I was like, what can I do with it? So I ended up building a bar in one of the storage units. And this was built in 2015. Every one of these pennies, there's, $44 $40, worth, $440, I think $44, $47 worth of pennies on here. And they're all brand new, 2015 pennies straight from. So I was going around to different banks in Southern California, mm-hmm. and I'm like, I need all of your brand new 2015 pennies that haven't been used. And I'm like, 
you know, if I do this too many more times, I'm going to be on a watch list somewhere. Probably, <laughs> you know, and, you're the reason why there's so a coin shortage. <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> and so there's um, all the pennies are on here. 2015. It's the year it was built. I have a quarter. I have a quarter over there. That's a um, 2009 quarter for the year that I was married. And then I have a dollar bill over there for um, um, the year my daughter was born. Oh, cool. And so I encapsulated it. So now I have to, now I have to add another four feet and add more pennies. And I need to add a, um, another coin for my son. Cause he's five. Mm. So now I have to add, cause he's starting to feel a little left out. Mm. So, but yeah, it's all, they're all brand new shiny pennies. Yeah, I've just got overly curious cause it looks really nice. But <laughs> <laughs> During the COVID thing, it was really easy for me to get uh, other bartenders on here and uh, get them to, uh, tell their stories because nobody was doing anything they closed down all the restaurants or their hours were cut uh cut short um how uh how has how has it been for your last year it's been you know what it it's funny because before covid i i was telling everybody that i've been i got in i got in the best shape physically before covid mm-hmm. and now since covid I got in the worst shape physically, but in the best shape mentally. <laughs> <laughs> little give and take there, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, but no, it was good. It gave me an opportunity to really um, dial in mm-hmm. what I wanted to do and really dial in what I'm doing that, you know, and really help me dial in the the media aspect of the company of what I wanted to do. Um, it gave me an opportunity to read more and, tune in my consulting skills and management skills. Like I'm real big on like discipline, respect, integrity, you know, all of that. And that's one of the things when I go in and I talk to bartenders and owners and stuff, that's one thing I really push is like integrity and respect. And, you know, my, my wife, she's in, in an industry where she's management too. And she'll, she'll talk, you know, she'll come home and, um, you know, and I'll say, well, you know, sometimes the employees are the way they are because you allow them to be that way, mm-hmm. you know, and that's a tough pill for people to swallow. When you say, you know, your, your, your business is following is failing because you're not a good boss. Right. And, you know, sometimes, sometimes you have to be comfortable having those uncomfortable conversations. Mm-hmm. And that was one of the things I really, really learned during COVID like get comfortable having uncomfortable conversations. Right. And the way you do that is you start, you just start, I call it cold calling people in the grocery store. When you're in the grocery store, just cruise up. Hey, how's it going? How's it going? Oh, you know, okay. nice, nice, nice dress, nice shoes, nice tie. How's your day? You know, like, I, and I don't normally, I don't, I wouldn't do it as how's the weather because like we're, we're, we're in a grocery store. We've all been outside. So we know what the weather's like. Mm. So, you know, Hey, how do you, how do you pick out your oranges? Oh, this is the technique that my grandmother told me, or how do you pick out your watermelon? Oh, you thump it or you look for the dark green and you just, you, and then you get, you, you encounter the people that don't want you to even look at them. Mm-hmm. And then that's when you have really have to get comfortable being uncomfortable. Yeah. That, that would be a stretch for me just to walk <laughs> up to a random person and say, Hey, how's it going? Nice shirt. You know what? <laughs> Uh, just because, uh, uh, I am who I am, but you know, right. uh, it's something that I 
always strive to work on, even though I'm 44 years old now, but uh, something I should have worked <laughs> on back in high school. <laughs> yeah. But those are, but it, it's cool. It's just, it, that's the stuff that I, that's what I've learned. That's what I've, I've taken from it. Um, and the fact that I have neighbors that um, are, are in higher level jobs that are in corporate jobs that have their own businesses. And we can sit and talk about, you know, Hey, you're, you've hit this, you've hit this curve of uh, complacency, you know, let's, how do we get out of it? You know, I was sitting at the bar one night and I had a, a, a neighbor come down and he's like, I just don't have it anymore. I don't feel the, I don't feel the passion anymore. It's like, dude, you've hit that curve. Like, you know, you build that anticipation to get things going and then things go and they start going uphill and then you get to the top and you're like, damn, I made it. Mm. And then you get complacent. And then what happens when you get complacent? You start going back down. So you got to keep, you got to fuel, you got to feed the fire that's going to put you back on top. Mm. And that's where the discipline for me comes in is getting to the point where I don't want to be complacent. Right. I want to stay on that high. That's how I want to be. And so when I'm, when I'm talking to the neighbors and other people in the business, that's where I want them to be back on that high. Mm -hmm. Because that's where you're, that's where the most fire in you comes from is when you're at that, like, you know, when you go to a concert and for the next four days, you're like, yeah, I'm going to mosh on every person I see. <laughs> and, you know, that's the high that you get when you're at the top of that curve. Mm -hmm. yeah. And that's where I think everybody needs to be. And the, the low would be trying to stage dive and they part like the Red Sea. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Well, so that, no, I'm sorry. That, that's it. That's what I thought. No, I apologize for cutting you off. I just, that's, that's where I'm at with everything with COVID. That's what it has put me in. Yeah, it it affected everybody, but it sounds like some places are opening up. Some places, maybe not so much. Um, well, I'm sure, like you mentioned, that a bunch of people are uh, got events canceled. So I'm sure that hurt quite a few people, uh, whether they return the deposit or or not. It's still uh, it's still a bad thing because now you're sitting back going, now how do I make money since. Uh, I just had four quinceañeras uh, cancel on me. <laughs> yeah, but um, but it but it sounds like you're doing pretty good. Uh, you uh, kept yourself busy, and that's the most mm -hmm. important thing. Because a couple of my friends, when COVID started, it for the first two three months of being on unemployment, it was bottomless mimosas, and uh, <laughs> you know, starting from the morning till whenever and yeah. but uh, you managed to keep your uh, keep your mind busy and build yourself up and then build your business uh, in at the same time while while you're building mm -hmm. yourself up that's uh that's very cool well yeah we're coming up uh towards the end of the show now uh i would like you to if somebody wanted to get a hold of you or uh find you on social media tell us where to find you um i'm at mixed up with TGM on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, like all of it is at mixed up with TGM. And I don't, I don't cross post all of my material mm. because I, uh, that's just not something I will like, I'll do it eventually. Like a lot of my older TikTok videos are coming to light on Instagram reels now, but there's been long enough time to where people that may not have seen it on TikTok the first time are now going to see it on Instagram or vice versa. 
Mm-hmm. So, cause I, it really drives me crazy when I log on to one and then I log on to the next and I see the next and then it's the same person posting the same. So I don't want to do that to any of the people that, that follow me. Mm-hmm. And sometimes what I'll do is I'll post the picture that tells the story. And then on TikTok I'll post the video, mm-hmm. you know, or Facebook, I'll do a bigger, bigger blog about it and with the picture about it. So yeah, it's mixed up with TGM on, on everything. Well, I really appreciate you uh, coming on the show, man. And if anytime you want to come back on, plug something or just to sit and BS, just give me a call whenever. <laughs> I appreciate it. And I want to reiterate again that I, I apologize. I'm not stepping on anybody's feet. I do not think that all private bar, event bartenders are shady. <laughs> I just want to clear that up. I yes. Just, I, yeah. I feel guilty that I even said it, but, you know, it's it's a reality. Yes. They're, they're out there. Yes. I, so. uh, yeah. So, yeah, we'll make sure to keep that in mind. So, anyway, thank you for the time. I appreciate it. All right, people, it is last call, last call for alcohol. Come on up to the bar. You're not getting shit from me because I don't have a server out there, and quite frankly, the commute would kill me. So, uh, first of all, I got to thank Tyler Mortensen for being on the show. Remember, you can catch up with him on all the social medias at Mixed Up with TGM. You'll find out a lot of really cool and interesting stuff from him uh, on TikTok, Instagram, whatever. Uh, I'd also like to thank Laura Hope and the Arctones for continuing to let me use your song, Dr. Bartender, as the theme song for Hey Bartender podcast. Yes, I will kiss your ass till the end of time because it is so cool that you let me guys do that. It means a lot to me. I swear to God. So go check out Laura Hope and the Arctones wherever you download your music. Bandcamp.com, Spotify, iTunes. You can find them anywhere. They got a lot of, they got a lot of great stuff. Always remember to visit www.heybartenderpodcast.com. Check out the swag I got available. Check out new or u- used, new or used, new or previous episodes. And, you know, some, help support Hey Bartender Podcast by following me on Instagram, Hey Bartender Podcast, Facebook, uh, Hey Bartender Podcast. Uh, I'm even on uh, uh, Inst- uh, uh, TikTok, uh, Hey Bartender Podcast. I don't do a whole lot of TikTok because I can't dance, but uh, you'll fi- uh, you'll get alerts all the time on when the new shows start to post. And you know what, people? I tell you the truth, I could really use some ratings on iTunes or Spotify, wherever you listen to Hey Bartender Podcast. Get on there, leave me a review, uh, leave me a rating. Five stars is my favorite. Uh, but if you want to go lower, that you know, that's your opinion. I'm totally cool with that because, uh, like I always realized when I was a bartender, I can't please everybody. But I try. I really, really try. So until next time, ladies and gentlemen, I just want to wish you all lots of love, lots of sex, lots of happiness, and don't take any shit from anyone. What do you mean it's last go? I just got here.